Hello, welcome to Soberish. The it just occurred to me that I can't believe my life is just never shutting the fuck up into a microphone and doing that for a living podcast. These are getting really hard to do. I think I might start a new season just so I don't have to do them anymore. But I mean, honestly, Jessa, shut up. And I can't believe I'm like, here, listen to more of this, you guys. They want it. It's weird. Get yeah, the, I know they, they want, want it. it. It's weird. It. It's so weird. Um, All right, man. Let's talk about rela- like conscious relationships. I have several different parts of this i want to talk y'all are both uh i've never had a conscious relationship i'm gonna be really good input for this this is gonna be great all right boundary number one eat cheese off these mics are very powerful is what i've noticed um i can't eat cheese but i can hear it okay so with the new consciousness template for lack of a better word with relationships we're kind of trying to figure this stuff out stuff we learned last year and the year before between the other podcasts and just reality in general was about codependency and all of our relationships were codependent and for those of you that don't know that I didn't know I was codependent because I thought codependent meant you couldn't be alone and I'm very introverted and I love to be alone And so that didn't resonate with me because I need a lot of time by myself to talk to myself and fight with um, people that don't exist. And I found out I was that I had an anxious attachment system like January of last year. And then I found out I was codependent in June of last year. And then I kind of just tore through that programming as fast as I could. And I healed a lot of the codependent stuff. But codependency is really the entire model of our society in every area. We have codependent relationships with our children, codependent relationships with our parents. And codependency essentially says that you, the person outside of me, are responsible for my feelings. You are responsible for my happiness. And that is the the general model. And so then everyone is operating on some level of codependency, whether it be feeling like um, the avoidant way of dealing with it, which is like feeling engulfed and running away. There is the anxious way of chasing these dynamics. The things that really hit home for me with codependency was um, I thought... I was like constantly trying to prove myself. I could like unconditional love and interdependence is I'm me and I'm me when I'm a hundred percent me, I resonate with you and you resonate with me. So we're going to walk a path together for as long as that path makes sense. And you don't have to stay the same person and I don't have to stay the same person and we don't have to pretend to be anyone um, because we're not attached to staying on this path. If this path stops making sense at some point, we'll just move on because I'm not trying to secure some lifelong thing with you if it doesn't make sense. But codependency is like, you're mine forever. We're going to enmesh as much as possible. And then if you start to change, that fucks me up and you're responsible for my feelings. Parents are very like codependent with their kids. You know, it's like I my kids don't call me often enough or like when their little kids start to grow up a little bit and the, you know, kids naturally start to become their own autonomous being. I watch it like fuck parents up, you know, because they're trying to get fed like they're they're trying to get their needs met from each other. And it's like nobody can do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. And another hugely codependent thing is thinking that people 
need to make decisions based on you that they need they need to change what they're doing because it's triggering you or it's bothering you and that's certainly an option to say like hey this is triggering for me but i think that the only way that we learn how to interact with each other in true like conscious peace i don't even think it's going to be completely peaceful is tons of communication tons of self-reflection and going at everything from the perspective that like everything is me pointed out. So an example of that would be this fight in the, okay, so let's say at the beginning of our relationship or the beginning of a friendship or whatever with someone, it's like, here, we agree on this thing and we set a boundary where this is, um, this is where I'm comfortable with how much time we spend together. Okay. And we agree on that. And then time progresses a little bit and I feel like I need more time. And in the old way of relating to each other, I would say like, hey, I need more time. And then you would be like, we agreed that it wasn't going to be more time, you know. And um, that's not great. That, it sounds like a terrible relationship. I hate it when I can't come up with a real example from my own life. But in the in the Facebook group fight, there was like, not I don't want to say fight, but it was like, hey, people are acting like this. I don't like it. How can we get back to the way it used to be? And I'm, I skimmed it. So that might not be what the energy was. But this is the thing that we do where we're like, I don't like what this person is doing. I want you to change it. It's like, well, first of all, just what can you change in yourself? Can you tolerate the amount of time that you're spending with your partner? And if not, you can offer it up to them like, hey, I need more time or I need more space, or I need more whatever, if the person doesn't want to give it to you from like a place of like honestly being like, yeah, that's not a big deal to me, then you have to be honest and say like, okay, here's a, here's a, is it a deal breaker for me? Here's a possibility that this takes us out of resonance. And like, that's how open handed we have to be with this shit where it's like, I don't mean we should be on the brink of breaking up every relationship and friendship every moment. But something I did at the beginning of the other relationship where we we came out of resonance pretty quick was I pretended to be okay with things that I wasn't okay with. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. We can have this open, intimate friendship when now I'm like, no, my attachment system can't handle that. Right. He didn't do anything wrong. I'm the one that said I was okay with shit I wasn't okay with. And why did I do that? I did that because I was too attached to the outcome. I was so attached to the outcome that I was willing to risk my own sanity and the possibility of me getting on a super fucked up timeline. Number one, because I had a fantasy in my head that if I did that, if I made myself small, if I surrendered my boundaries, that would eventually earn me something, which that doesn't ever work. All giving up your boundaries does is uh, get you less boundaries. And we do this with friends. We do this in our uh, familial relationships where we do things we don't want to do in order to receive love from someone else, to, f to be perceived as a good person, to be perceived. My big one is I, I, I want to seem low maintenance. It's really hard for me to like have needs and feel like people feel pressure to meet those needs. And half the time it's just like really basic shit. And I'm just trying to be cool. I'm so obsessed with being chill that um, I end up saying yes to things that make me feel like shit and I'm unhappy 
and I'm not setting boundaries. And what I've what I've gotten to is like, okay, you should have said at the beginning of that relationship, hey, I'm not available for this. And I'm like, well, why didn't I do that? I didn't do that because I was afraid he would say, okay. And now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, I'll never not set that boundary. I'm never so, so obsessed with being liked or accepted or want like being able to stay in a situation that I will put myself in a situation where I'll do things that I don't want to do. And I think that this is a big part of how we start to build these conscious connections where I had, oh, I had a situation with a friend the other day. I can't believe I didn't think of this. Um, I have a tendency, people tend to feel like they don't get enough of me. I spread myself too thin. I am giving like 3% to a million people. And there's, there's typically like a partner and maybe one friend in my life who's like getting the proper amount of attention. And then I have like a million other friendships with people who I just kind of go through phases where they're getting enough attention. There's lots of family members that don't think they're getting enough from me. And, um, probably I've partners too. I've like gone through phases where I was so like obsessed with something that partners would feel like I wasn't paying attention to them. And that's just like the nature of who I am. And I've hated myself for that. And I felt guilty for not being good enough at love or friendship or whatever. And now I'm just kind of at a place where I'm like, I've been trying to save the world or overthrow the government or create some new paradigm for a really long time. And if I am doing it in some way or another, I'm always on some kick. My head's in the clouds. It's no offense to you. It's not because I don't care about you, but it is kind of fundamentally who I am as a person. And what you're asking me to be is fundamentally someone else as a person is what you're saying. Get your head out of the clouds and pay attention to me so that I can feel loved. If you knew me, if you actually knew me, you'd know that like she loves everybody. Her head is just in the class. Have you ever had a conversation with me? You know how fucking exhausting this is? And so then I then I try to force myself to be grounded or people will like, I go through phases where I'm like downloading constantly and then they're like, uh, my mom does this shit to me. Like, um, hello, could you interact? And then I'm like having these like painful, feigned interactions where it's like, I don't want to be here right now. Not because I don't love you, but because this is not where my fucking head is. And this is where the allowing each other to be ourselves is what is the key to this. And it's like, if I know you and I know that you go through artistic swings where you check out of reality and you're down making music or writing or whatever the person's thing is and that you check out for long stretches of time, I... I shouldn't attach my feelings to that because it's just kind of like, especially from where I stand, manipulative and bullshit. Like I would know it's bullshit because I'm conscious. But also in my position, if I'm dealing with someone who's not conscious, which happened to me the other day, and this is crazy for me because I don't set boundaries. I just ghost. I'll set boundaries if you're not important in my life. If, if I don't know you and you step on my toes, I'll set a boundary with you because I don't care. I don't know you. I don't give a shit about your feelings. But, uh, well, I'll, I'll set, yeah, I, I don't recommend stepping on my toes anyway. But if you d- are, like, demanding of me and, like, constantly pointing out that there's a deficit in my ability to meet your needs, I kind of just, I've always just, like, backed slowly out of friendships and kind of ghost people and they don't know why. 
And I've learned that like I need to set boundaries and I need to set boundaries with these already established relationships first. And then I need to set boundaries up front. And like when I first met you, I was like, here's who I am and here's how I operate. And these are my things. And like I've learned these things about myself. I know these things. Right. And it's almost harder with these established relationships. Sorry, it took me an hour to remember a fucking example. So this was meandering and I'll delete some of it. But this friend was like, like projecting a lot of stuff onto me. But like part of it was like at the core was that I wasn't there for her. And um, something I've known about this friendship, I fucking love this person. I care about this person. I like really care about this person, but I am not available at the level that she needs me to be available. I have 20 connections where she only has me and I just am not available for the level of friendship that she needs. And I ended up saying it in that conversation. I was like, listen, I love you. I'm not available to be the level of friend that you need me to be. I haven't said that to you because I know that's triggering for you. So there's another example of me making myself small, like me avoiding hurting her in a conversation because I love her. I feel like that's an act of love. But all that like avoiding honesty did was let her write this entire wild um, like narrative around me and like my my uh nefarious like nature and everything else because she feels like she's not getting her needs met by me well I can't meet your needs dog but like I I who I am as a person if you really do know me you know what the fuck I'm doing you know why I'm busy you know what trip I'm on I'm not doing it to fuck with you I'm not like that's insane I'm not busy to fuck with you I'm not looking at your text while I'm sitting around doing nothing and being like ha 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 let her burn you know that doesn't make any sense but I am available for this I'm available for talking once a week catching up a couple you know maybe a couple times a month maybe maybe getting together when I'm in town but then also recognizing that like when I come to town I have 20 podcasts and shows and everything else to do and that like I'm available when I'm available and I love you when I'm not available and if that's not enough for you, I honor that that's not enough for you and that it's triggering for you. And I get that. And I'm I'm also okay with us just like leaving this relationship here and saying it was great for what it was. And um, I think that that is what the boundary setting is where you don't get to decide what other people do. You don't get to manipulate them to try to bend them to do what you want them to do because you're trying to make them feel a certain way. But at the same time, we have to self-advocate and be like, this is what I'm doing. You have the right to stop being my friend where the old model would be like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do this, this and this and this to convince you to make you see my side and get you on my side so that you don't leave or whatever. You know what I mean? And that's like endless. Oh, God, you mean you can spend forever doing that? Um, making yourself small and trying to like it's manipulation. Man, that's exactly you just described my whole like thing that I've been trying to hack of boundaries and because I used to see I'm pretty passive person and I specifically in the band when I had some issues come up that were things I didn't like and were honestly like bound you know people stepping over my boundaries I actually reclused in a way I I, I pulled back and I kind of ghost too but with the band, you know, it's like, I can't disappear. So I basically what I did was just become extremely passive with everything that happened, um, almost to protect myself in some way. And, and I thought it was, but it 
it basically what it did was it, it made all I had no boundaries. So and I wasn't communicating. I was more passive because what I was trying to do was understand why I was having a problem with something and I couldn't get like out of my head really. So I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is be passive, take a step back and just watch like really closely where and see where I'm, I'm being offended or I'm being like, uh, triggered, triggered in a way. And so I spent like a good year or two just doing that. So things would come up and I would just take it, take it on the head and like try to try to learn about it. But what I then realized is that, uh, people got used to stepping over that boundary and thought that it was okay and normal. And then they start to identify with something about me or about this exchange, this relationship. And I thought I was doing a compassionate thing by being passive and allowing, you know, things to unfold in a way. But um, there is a weird like hole in the idea of being always like compassionate and giving and passive um, is that you allow it's a form of coddling in a way. It's a form of uh, letting somebody, uh, I, what it was for me is I was fearful of not being wanted or not being accepted in a thing. So if I'm passive and allow you to do those things, I can, you like me because you get something from me. Right. right? And, uh, but what's happening is like, because I didn't set a boundary and was a little bit assertive about that thing. I'm giving something to you, but like there's an exchange that should happen here. Um, not a material exchange, but just a, an understanding and a give and take. It's they it they become used to identifying with what I'm giving, and then the second I have to uh, eventually say like, "Whoa, I, I'm not being myself," and I have to try to climb out of that. It's very difficult if you pull that from somebody they've identified with it. So they're you're pulling something from them, but it was never yours in the beginning. I was you know it was me, or I was trying to. So that I didn't. I knew about boundaries like a couple of years ago and that it was definitely something I wasn't doing because I was afraid of not being accepted. But uh, it didn't really come up in my face again until a couple of days ago. And I was like, holy shit, this is, I haven't set boundaries for a long time with anybody in my life, any uh, person. Because I thought there was value in passive, being passive about it. It, it avoids confrontation, it avoids all these things. But confrontation is a good thing if you're setting a boundary and you're just saying hey this isn't about me not loving you or me not caring about you this is about like this is about me actually um and for a long time i was pointing my finger at all these other people like you guys are this is i feel so alone why can i not connect with you all the it's just because i didn't set the damn boundary and i i didn't know that's what i wasn't doing so i do feel like i'm in a place where most of my relationships that I have like picked up in the last three or four years um don't have very many boundaries like I don't haven't really been able to set those with the friends that I've gotten as far where I'm I feel like I'm been fully conscious of things I now know that and it's actually kind of a natural thing um that comes up but anything that I was already uh built as a friendship before I went through this I didn't it's, it's very hard to reverse um to go in and say, like, well, here are my boundaries. And they're like, wait, no, what? I thought I could always come over whenever I want or always rent the studio for free or whatever these things were. I was, like, giving. It's a natural thing. It's nice. That's what – it hurt me, actually, because I was like, damn, I was just trying to be nice. I was trying to give you what I have, too, you know? I got all this success and got all these material things, and the first thing I wanted to do was share it because it's more fun, and I know people want these things, too. But um, So I thought I was giving in a way that was – nice and and helpful but there's a certain point where it's like coddling you can't 
just give those because they you, you identify you can't just give your child all the things that they ask for right away because then there's no realistic like um reality and lesson there that they you have to kind of work to get these things you have to there's a process here if i'm just giving you everything what are you learning you know yeah that resonates with me just because uh i'm a similar my codependency that i'm still working through is uh i'm an overgiver i'm a massive overgiver to the point where like I've picked up a lot of really cool skills through my life. Like I can paint, I can draw, I can sculpt, I can build a house from the ground up, I can play music, I can do all of these things that I wanted to learn in order to be fully self-reliant because of like the overtly abusive environment that I was raised in. Um, But recently I've come to the place where I have to recognize that I'm doing those things, I'm giving those things, I'm helping people with projects for free on their house because it gives me a little glow and a little shine. It's like, oh, look how good that guy is. Because ultimately, I don't feel good. Deep down, I don't feel validated by myself. I don't feel loved for myself. I don't feel seen by myself. So I feel like I have to make sure everyone around me sees me as this thing. I was definitely in that rut, and I had this big fucking aha moment of like, wow, I really don't love myself. (laughs) Like, at all. And then I had this moment of realization of like, wow, I am all of the darkness that I project out onto these people coming at me. Like I've been projecting my shadow for 30 fucking years. And like as smart as I think I am and as well-developed as I think I am, I feel like I just started doing the work. And I like, I can recognize, like I was saying before we started recording, like I can see codependency when I'm in it. Like, I can tell there's codependent behaviors. Like, oh, no, you just called me a fuckhead when I was saying sorry for something. That's obviously, like, that's a red flag for me. Right. But I can't see and detect. I haven't fully weeded out all of the processes within me that create that codependency. So I can point at codependency when it's happening. But I can't, I don't yet know how to not be a codependent. Does that make sense? Yeah, I haven't hacked it yet. Uh, For me, codependency first, like the I've said this a million times on this podcast, but um, codependency for dummies is the book that I read. I like that better than codependent no more, but they both have value. Uh, They refer to um, codependent no more. I think she refers to it as self self worth deficiency, self esteem deficiency disorder, something like that, which I like better than codependency because codependency has these like we have ideas around it already. But codependency for me was like this like it, it became active addiction and um with a lot of like like loops and ticks and stuff. Like I was like really fucked up. And I did an episode on it in season two um fuck I'm codependent or something so I'm codependent something um if you want to hear the very raw account of it but secret low self-esteem was one of the things that was like oh shit because I'm pretty confident but I have like I'm confident in the avatar I'm confident in uh I bring these things to the table I'm confident in like um I 
like certain personality traits of mine I'm confident in like in relationships I know that I'm this this and this in friendships I know that I'm this this and this I typically have resources I tip you know like I, I have this I have all the advice I can fix all your problems I can da, 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 da. and when you get to the core of that though it's it's exhausting it's exhausting for me to have connections with people because typically and I didn't know this until I found out I was codependent. I'm like running. I'm like nonstop trying to prove my worth. And this new thing that I'm tapping into since we've been on quarantine really or since like you guys came into my life is like, well, I, it probably started in like September. It was when like Lola and Lacey and stuff started coming into my life. We're like letting people take care of me. And just being myself in connections without being the person who solves every single problem and has all the resources and whatever. And I am giving and I am like generous because I don't, I kind of don't like, I don't care about like stuff and I don't care. Uh, I, I want to see pro like you put a problem in front of me. It's actually a challenge for me not to solve it. Cause it took me a long time to be like, Oh, sometimes people just want to mention a problem without me like solving it for them. And, um, the compulsion to solve it is the compulsion to prove my worth and the compulsion to not set a boundary. I often, often am doing things I don't want to do often and a lot of it I don't even notice because I am very pliable I am very like I don't have a long a lot of strong uh opinion like needs or whatever like I'm not someone you ever just like hang out with someone they take a lot of space up where they're just like oh I don't like that or I don't want to do that or like they're contrary or whatever I I hate those qualities and so I'm not like that I'm pretty open to whatever experience and I I have things like food allergies and I have things that make me need really specific things and uh, the, uh, like I hate taking up a bunch of space with that but um it takes me a, a while we were talking earlier about psychedelics and stuff where I like as I'm talking about it I'm like oh I didn't want to do that I don't even know that I don't want to do I'm like constantly doing things I don't want to do because I just don't really focus on shit like that I'm just like oh that's what you want to do cool let's do it I'm not in the back of my head like oh there's a fucker we never get to do what I want to do I'm not like that but it's been interesting to find a voice and be like it's okay for us to do what I want to do or it's okay for me to say hey I I don't think I want to do this or if people want to hang out just be like I don't I don't want to hang out like I love you but I don't want to hang out having a hard time coming up with examples, but I do a lot of things because other people want me to do them. And that's not like, if you get demanding with me, if you're overtly demanding with me, I am very freedom oriented and I'm very obstinate. So I'll bounce out of your reality quickly. I do not like being told what to do. What I did find about myself after finding out I was codependent is you can manipulate me for a really long time. You can, you can convince me that you're, you used, used to be able to, if, if I think you're mad at me, you can get me to do whatever you want for a really long time. If you said, Jessa, wash my dishes, I would be like, go fuck yourself. But if you went and started like slamming dishes around, I would just come clean up the dishes because I'm afraid of people being mad at me. I don't want people to be mad at me. And that's like childhood trauma shit or whatever. And so I live a lot of my life like kind of steered around 
by people who are close to me and whether or not they're and I I have had people figure out that formula of me where I looked back on a long-term relationship and was like oh he figured that out and he had this perfect criticism and reward system set like props man and it but it was a perfect symbiotic relationship because I was so codependent I almost like that was fuel for me and so now what I'm learning is like yeah, I don't want to I don't want to do that. I'm not available for that. And I'm not responsible for your feelings. And I'm sorry that you had an idea of who I was supposed to be. And cuz then people get nasty. I've gotten accused of being obsessed with my own fame. What? For, for two straight years, three straight whenever I moved to LA. It's like whenever people can't explain why I'm not giving them what they want, they're like all you care about is fame. And I'm like, "Have you what the fuck are you talking about? What fame? First like what because I live in LA I live in LA because the fucking sun shines there and like I, I can get gluten-free pizza anywhere I go like what you just like I'm not giving you what you want and then you just have this like this indictment against me that doesn't even make any sense or it's like you know in, in reality I've just been busy crying over some fucking dude like that's I this it's, anyway uh and often I will then become something different or change my behavior. Or I think it's the fawn response. It's like uh, fight, flight, freeze, my other one, or fawn. And I think fawn is the one where you collapse all your boundaries and give them whatever they want in like a trauma response mm -hmm. to get. And that's kind of what I do. If I think you're mad at me, I just start, I just start like dump, not you, but like historically, if I think people are mad at me, I just... Uh, I have shit boundaries. Um, I'm trying to learn like it's okay for me to want the things that and boundaries are also okay if they change, you know? I think there's a, uh, it feels like there's not really, it's it's important now to try to um, stand up for ourselves in some way because it's, it's, we're trying to, I think we are like individuating and trying to become individual uh, beings. There's one I was going to say earlier, it's like we can't do th it's not important to do things uh, right now that we don't want to do. But there's a side of that where I'm like, well, no, there are times where it's like, especially I think in relationships, like just in the, the three of us, there's a, an easier way to be like, oh, I don't really want to do that. But I can see how I can just fold, bend a little bit and it will help the situation. And so that's like, you know, always do everything you want to do. But when you don't, <clears throat> for me, if I didn't have these boundaries up, there's like half the shit I'm doing is like, I don't want to do it. Right. And it's wasted energy because I'm cycling on it and being like mad about it. And I'm not even fun to hang out with if I'm really don't want to be there. Um, <clears throat> I had a lot of times when, when, uh, when I was wanting to be alone and friends would ask to hang out, it would be like, it'd be Monday and on Friday they want to hang out. I'd be like, they'd reach out like, oh yeah, sure, I'll hang out Friday. Um knowing that like I'm sure as it gets closer I'm gonna start not wanting to for some reason but I commit and say yes and then I feel like I, I cycle over it for like hours as it's coming up it's like five hours before I'm like ah, I don't think I want to go I don't think I want to go and like for five hours I'm wasting energy doing that I'm in the studio trying to work but all I'm thinking about is like, I only got two hours now I got one hour I got a half hour I don't think I really want to go and then even if I go it's not going to be fun because I don't. I really don't want to be there. I'm not going to get cracked open or vulnerable. I mean, sometimes I will, but a lot of sometimes I go and I'm like, I should, I, this is fun. It was a good time, but the the amount of energy I spent mulling over that for five hours was just wasted time. Like I was 
what the, I could have been doing so many other things. And I, the only reason I'm attached to it is because I didn't put a boundary up and just honestly say, hey, man, like, yeah, I, right now I'd love to hang out Friday. But, uh, you know, or if they actually understood me and knew me and how, how right. like, I pivot all the time and changing and my mood might not be right then and I just don't want to hang out. It's not you. It's just, it's, it's like a thing I'm going through. But I could never, I would, I'm pretty bad at communication for the last, like, three or four years. And that's what boundaries are set by communicating. Um, and close friends of mine that I wasn't doing that, I started to get like feel like I was being taken advantage of in some weird way that neither one of us could really point to, but I felt that inside, and uh, that's what I think. It's it's it sucks your energies. It sucks our uh, ability to focus and and do things that we want to do. And so there's a part that it really isn't. It's not again. It's a selfish thing. It's got a bad rap about it. But being truly selfish is caring, trying to love yourself and care more into. Um, who you are and let that come out and come to life because that's where the happiness is and that's where you will find if you can just be yourself and and people don't like that then they start to fall off well it's like well then great we figured that out and we got rid of that now instead of it you know prolonging on forever sucking our energy and not allowing some natural uh thing to blossom here like friendships and relationships all of it it should be somewhat easy if you have a resonance with it it's it's easy it doesn't make make the difficulties come go away there's different levels of uh complexity to it but i just feel like right now there is a uh, it's very important to to find that that individual side of you that you want to come out and you you want to let come uh come to life you have to set a a boundary to allow that to happen because people are very much in the in the energy now of like telling you who you are and telling you who you should be to them right and uh yeah if we're insecure about some things that are like we'll, we'll bend that way for for a long time you know I, I was the same way i could be manipulated very easily because i was afraid of not uh yeah being wanted or not being accepted so people thinking we're the bad guy mm. I did get very good in um, the last... I used to be someone who judged people who canceled plans. I used to think it was the most disrespectful like thing you could do was to make plans and then cancel them. This was like probably more than five years ago. And I didn't leave a lot of space because I couldn't feel my feelings. I didn't leave a lot of space for people's anxiety or depression. And then when 2017 hit and I started going through this process, it was helpful to move to L.A. It was also helpful that I started hanging out with people much younger than me because this like younger generation is just like, yeah, I'm sad. I don't know what to tell. <laughs> it's like uh, L.A. is also like nobody keeps their plans ever. But I got to the point where I started making plans like, yeah, let's hang out Friday, assuming I'm not crying in a bathtub, like assuming I'm still in the mood, let's hang in, hang out Friday. And then we don't even really confirm the plans till the day, like we still hang in. And it's like, yeah. And then I, I allow myself now all the way up to the last minute. But if I think that they're like, I'm on the edge, I try to communicate as much as possible, but I stop feeling bad about stuff like that like it's okay I tend to really I don't put a ton of pressure on myself about the podcast like I have with past podcasts like obviously these these episodes are coming out like crazy because we have nothing else to do but like um 
but with the Patreon, I'm I'm a lot more pressure. But I'm like, I don't need to set a boundary. Y'all paid for this, so like, let me get this out. But I used to have that level of pressure for shit that like there was no energy exchange. Like, you're just a demanding friend that thinks I owe you shit because I've always given you shit, yeah. and I was giving you stuff at one point. And by stuff, I mean like my energy, my attention. I would drop everything to come help you bail you out of one of your problems. I did that because that's where I was in my life and I was available for that. And then there came a point where I wasn't available for that anymore because my life showed up or I'm off doing that for a different friend. All of these are okay. You know, it's okay that I'm not available for you at this point in my life. Even if you're my family, it's like unless you're my kids, it's okay. Uh, for there to be an ebb and a flow in this relationship. And if that's not okay with you, if that activates your stuff, then we can have a conversation about that. We can figure out how to make sure that you don't feel abandoned when I'm being me, but like, I'm not going to stop being me. I'm, I'm done apologizing for being a daydreaming, um, person who's like off on some tr like I'm done that's who I am what are you doing in my life if you don't like that and a lot of the things that people get mad at me for are the reason you're in my li like you're in my life because you like these weird things about me they were the things you're attracted to and now you're mad because you're the victim of them like I'm not you know yeah bizarre thing to me too is when I started finding out <clears throat> uh, about you know, in a lot of the, the, the seeking process, you start to crack open like, oh, whoa, this is who I am. Okay. And I'm going to start expressing that a little bit more and allow that cat out of the bag. And I had people around me that uh, when I would do that, they would specifically point out those things as like, I, I don't like that or I don't, you know, they wouldn't say it straight up. But I could tell like I'm expressing this thing out and being like, oh, this is fun. I want to like, here's me. And when somebody bats that down right away, uh, Early, early when it started happening, I would be like, oh, whoa, 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 okay, okay, I'll push, push that back. Don't, uh, they don't, nobody likes that. That's not being accepted. Uh, but then I would, something else happened and I would do it again almost naturally. Like, oh, here's, I'm, I'm coming into my own, like, self here. And watching that get batted down was really confusing for a while because I did think I'd go back into my old system of like, oh, I'm not wanted. Oh, oh no, no, okay, and then back out. But as I started to, it, they became more and more, I was like, this shit's going to happen no matter what. And uh, the people that are not happy with that and pointing at, like, don't be that way. That's not who you are. Don't do that. Is they're not understand, like, they they don't, we're not resonating that you're understanding this is me. Like, this is a, this is a valuable thing I'm trying to do. Because um, I'm actually trying to love myself more so I can love you more and I can really, uh, set a healthy boundary and be honest and be real and not like be hiding behind all this stuff, this insecurities. Like, and I, the communication thing was a real big, uh, eye opener because I thought I was communicating a lot. Um, when I became passive, like in the band situation, I definitely, it was like, okay, there's no communication. And then, and then the entire thing unfolds because people read what you're doing as something you're not communicating where it's coming from. So they have to, have find meaning in the in this thing that's not rubbing them right so they end up writing their own script to it and if i don't communicate that that's not what it is they continue that and continue going and this the problem just becomes worse and worse and worse right and that i got into like a feedback thing where i was like i can't solve it i'm not communicating i'm passive i've been passive for too long there's too much to try to communicate now uh okay i guess this is gonna fall you know 
and luckily with the band, it didn't it didn't completely fall out. I mean, I, I took a little bit of a break off, and then I discovered that there was like, whoa, there's not communication here, and a lot of us in that group were were writing our own stories within each other that weren't real, but it was causing this like this thing to fall apart our connections our love for each other our like synergy of being a band and uh luckily all the guys we've been in a good place to be um we do love each other and we have like a fight to try to balance it and we did all get into a space where we've now like revealed that to every to all of us oh man yeah we didn't i didn't understand that's (laughs) the problem you were going through the last two years man like now it makes sense why I thought you were treating me bad. Like, no, it was you were dealing with something. And I, dude, it all went away. Like, all those problems. We got together and talked about it. And just, like, communicated for two hours and, like, focused on it. And boom, gone. It's funny how the fear of setting boundaries a lot, it depends on the person. You know what I mean? Sometimes you set boundaries with people and you see their true colors. And you're like, oh, shit, you were garbage (laughs) yeah uh other times it's like this this conflict with this friend had i said i didn't want to set the boundary because the boundary felt mean it felt mean to say like hey i I don't want to make someone feel needy i hate feeling needy and i I, like i didn't know how to say like you message me a lot and i'd love to hear from you i don't like i don't have the time to give that back like i don't i can't give that back to you and so if you messaging me a lot and me not responding is triggering for you then i don't think you should do it like i didn't know how to say that all that i was never direct like that before and because me old me 4 years ago me would have taken that boundary as crushing rejection. I had to like grow and heal to be able to set boundaries because people's boundaries would hurt my feelings. Where now, you know, if someone said like, hey, I just don't, like I'm not available to be in this front. I have a fear, I still have a fear of rejection. So I take uh, a little bit of distance as an assumption that you don't want to talk to me, you know? So very rarely would anyone need to have a conversation like this with me because I would just disappear. But, um, yeah, I did, I didn't want to hurt her feeling like I do love her. I do care about her. So I didn't, I didn't say that. And then what ended up happening was this giant story that I can't say she's in the wrong because I didn't set the boundary. And if I would have just been honest and been like, Hey, I'm just not, I'm just not available. I love you. And I know maybe in for you, it feels like, how can you love me and, and not have time for me at the same time? It's just like, I love you. I also love like 40 other people. And I just am, am spread too thin. I'm trying to do a hundred different things. And I just, I don't have space for it. But I do have space to love you. And I do have space to be available sometimes. And then like maybe when my life is less busy, whatever. But also I honor if that's like I get attachment stuff and I get if that's not enough for you. And I'm like, I'm okay with that also. Just as kind of like open handed love. Where had I set that boundary? Had I been honest? Because that's probably the best example. Because when I was like talking about that, I might cut out. But like I talked to like meandered for a minute because I couldn't think of an example of like doing things I don't want to do. It's more being things I don't want to be or it's or it's even like just the pressure that I put on myself to be what other people want me to be. And um the reality is is if you know me and feel resentful that I am not 
the energy that you want me to be. Like, if you know, you know how I am. Like, you know that I get on a kick and I'm just a fucking like wrapped up in the kick for a while or that I've always got a million logs in the fire and that I overschedule myself and that I'm always trying to like overthrow the government or start some new thing or like decode the universe or whatever. And a lot of times that just looks like me locked in my room for fucking weeks on end because I'm trying to pull some concept out of the sky. And sometimes I'm swept up in a relationship and sometimes I'm, you know, uh, sad crying in a bathtub. Like these are just, I'm a, I'm not super available. I'm not super emotionally available most of the time. And like, that has nothing to do with my capacity for love or like my desire to have you in my life. But like, if knowing all of those things about me, you're like, that's not good enough because that's not what I want from you. It's like, okay, well that's what I'm capable of giving you. That's who I am. And so uh, I can definitely try to make more effort. And then obviously, like, if you're talking, like, a romantic relationship, this increases a little bit. I, it's, like, been mostly, like, friends and relative stuff for me. But in romantic relationships, it's it gets a little bit more, even more communication. So it's like, all right, I feel like I need this. I don't have an example because we're not really working to anything like this right now. But... um. And there weren't like good negotiations in the last one. I know it was like Jason and I were pretty good at negotiating this stuff where it was like, okay, I need uh, household shit. Like I need, I need you to take this much of this responsibility, which was, I take all of it always. Um, and we would like come down to the negotiating table on things. And it's like, well, is this a deal breaker for you? And it's like, eh, it's like a 60% deal breaker for me. And it's like, okay, well, it's a 20% deal breaker for me. So we'll just do what you want to do, you know, in these situations. Um, but I had a tendency to, uh, my need to not take up too much space tends to get me in trouble in those areas. So I'm getting better at being like, Hey, this is something that's really important to me. It's who I am. It's a big part of who I am. Yeah, so. I love you saying it's about uh, being. It's not like you don't want to. It's not doing something you don't want to do. It's just being somebody you don't want to be. Yeah, it's the real thing. I feel like something I've uh, had an issue with in the past, and we've connected on this, is that they're like a tone thing. Um, like I would, I get real passionate about certain things, and so my. Uh, tone can sound uh condescending or like forceful in a way but it's coming from a true excitement and passion inside of me and right. so i it's like i have to barf it out i have to get it out and i so it comes out real uh sharp and kind of and it for some people that tone is communicating you know uh this person's telling me what to do this person's like forcing this down my throat which is real i get that um, but if you can, if, if we were connected in a way and we were communicating and we knew that there's like, that's, that's a part of me. That's not, um, I'm not trying to force it on you. I'm just excited about it and I'm throwing it against the wall. Um, I've had so many like slowdowns of communication and like unfolding something and connecting because the tone was slightly off and we'll get, you know, in, in arguments about the tone or misunderstandings. And it's like, that's. I understand the, that it seems that way, but uh, 
there, there's something real happening here underneath, and it's not about the, the just the surface of this tone thing, you know. But there's there's no understanding of that. It's just immediately shut off because the tone's wrong, and we're not. You don't hear me, even, you know. Right. I feel like in the nature of it, the thing seems to be the communication, the boundaries, and everything. It's actionably like a very simple thing. It's a simple act, but emotionally, it's so complicated. So it it it, it, it that's why we get hung up on it. Like when I look back at the the time, the amount of years and hours that I spent um, being frustrated about the things, the like quarrel I was in uh, and how much emotion it pulled out of me and how much wasted energy I spent circling on it. At the end of the day, it took two hours uh, to, to clean up like years of misunderstanding because the act was so simple. And in the moment, when it, if you can really get it right when it happens, it takes five seconds to share your heart, communicate it. But emotionally, it's so scary because there's like, what if they don't accept me? What if they don't like that? What if there's re- what if there's a confrontation? I don't want to deal with that. And you loop on many of these things over and over and over and over. And it gets in the way of a simple fucking act. You know, I look back at it and I was like, damn, that's embarrassing. It took two. It took so it's so quick. Yeah. When you, Yeah, exactly. The uh, the fear of the. It's like the fear of the tower, the fear of the communication, the fear of the loss of love or whatever, because we're coming from a codependent place when we are surrendering those boundaries. And so that is like, and when you first start setting boundaries, it can be really clunky. I know that when uh, Aaron and I both were figuring out codependency and boundaries at the same time on the tail end of a breakup while still trying to run a business together, uh there was some real clunky fucking boundary setting where we were just like aggressively setting boundaries on each other that were like unnecessary, but it was coming with all of this like intensity of having, cause I definitely like didn't respect his bound. Like I didn't, uh, I trampled his boundaries on a regular basis in like, in, I made him responsible for my feelings on many, many occasions where, uh, I took like boundary setting or distance that he needed as like an attack on me. And this is a, the, the relationship, the dynamic was like out of balance or whatever. But then there was also lots of stuff that like I had to figure out on my own, like, Oh, uh, we're introverts and we're on tour together and we're sharing a hotel room and we're driving together and we're like up each other's ass 24 seven. And then, uh, the introversion is, uh, you know, we need space. And then rather than giving space, you know, cause I'm like activated, uh, I'm kind of trampling that boundary. So when we really tuned into that and I was like, Hey, I trampled your boundaries. Like I should have given you space. I should have picked up on the cues that we both needed space. And I didn't do that. Then it was like, we were setting these hard boundaries and it was very like several times I was like, well, we're not very good. We're like shouting boundaries at each other's faces. Can we hold for one second? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I'm done ever trying to tell someone that they're wrong. I think I've tried it for the last time in my life. I think the only actual thing that you can do is create harmony within yourself. I think that's the only thing you can do. I don't think you can create harmony in other people, and I don't think you can make people see truth. I think if you can see further than they can, the only thing that you can do is ask a question so that when they answer it, you know that they have to lead themselves to it. Yeah, totally. That's the only thing you can do. Yeah, and by being truly uh, integrated and individual, it allows that. That's 
that's the communication tool. It doesn't come in words and pointing out for somebody. But if you're being balanced and a good mirror and you hold space, it allows somebody else to like educate themselves by being around you and feeling something. And then it's up to them to take that information and go integrate it. And there is a tact, like it, it has to be, uh, you're very good at it actually. And a couple of my friends are very good at like, I'll throw shit out of wanting them to give me an answer. Like sometimes I'll do that with you and, you, and then you're just like, well, what about this? Or uh, did you ever go here or, or whatever? And you point in different directions. And then it's like, I'm frustrated for a second. Like, ah, oh, you didn't give me the answer. But then I like, when I circle around for a minute and find it myself, it's so much more gratifying and you integrate it. You, you discovered it for yourself. And if I was told that, I wouldn't have integrated it in the same way. It would have been outside of me and I would have just... I, I it would have passed by and I would have lost the lesson, you know. I see that in myself when I was like struggling and searching for shit, like reaching out trying to find some spiritual answer. And my uncle was straight up like look into Carl Jung. <laughs> and it took me it took me a while after that to actually look into actually, Carl yeah. Jung for myself, right? Because like you can't give people the answer. Yeah. I wonder how many people are um uh now looking into Carl Jung who listened to this podcast since Nate's going uh, hard we've been on it. in uh quarantine and um binge podcasting uh from here there was something else with boundaries in the night i think i have to go feed my children um their new boundary is that they want three meals a day and it's like (laughs) okay (laughs) um i wanted to talk about attachment systems because in readings i have noticed that there is a huge kind of flare up of this and I think it makes a lot of sense because we are being taken out of our normal routines and kind of being put into these pressure cooker situations everyone read the book attached if relationships are even in the slightest bit difficult for you go read the book attached Uh, the attachment systems are secure as uh, Nate was explaining in the last podcast that's like 50% of people and everyone else has some form of insecure attachment you have anxious preoccupied these are people who become preoccupied with their relationship this is what i mostly end up being 17 percent of the country has an anxious preoccupied 35 percent is anxious avoidant yeah there's a lot of avoidance out there i tend to i'm also avoidant and so what happened avoidance seems to be the thing that's flaring up right now so when you have an avoidant attachment style that's because when you were a kid your parents didn't meet your needs that does not mean that they were not good parents Um, the parenting style when we were kids of just leaving babies in the crib to cry actually causes attachment damage. Also, so does helicopter parenting. The impression that you want a child to get is that their needs will be met and that it's not a huge fucking scary deal. And a lot of parents don't hit that. Also, there's something called high need children who are born anxious. So like Phoenix and Lilith were both born anxious. I attachment parented Phoenix to the point that she became securely attached and she's a very secure child. And I attachment parented the fuck out of Lilith and she's still anxious, preoccupied. She has an anxious attachment style. She has a really hard time dealing with the idea at six years old that my body is not just constantly connected to hers. And that's just going to be her. I will help educate her about it and let her know that like your perception of the proximity of other people is like not real and you'll have to learn how to work through that. An avoidant is someone who's, when their needs weren't met, 
they just decided, oh, my needs will never be met. This is an attached, this is a program thing. So it doesn't necessarily match your conscious thoughts, which is why I couldn't figure this program out forever. Because consciously, I'm very independent. And consciously, I know that nobody is responsible for my feelings. And consciously, I can be like, this person loves me. But then there's this other aspect of me that when they're not in front of my face because I have um, uh, object permanence, tied into this so when someone's not in front of my face for me to scan their body language and their inflection and their physical affection and everything um i they cease to exist and so it's to me it feels like they're dead but you know it gets like projected onto they don't love me they're gonna leave whatever it gets very foggy for me when someone's not physically um around me when they are physically around me i'm a way hyper vigilant from trauma i'm like hyper aware all that like calculation power of my brain to figure out codes and patterns and everything else all of that gets focused on okay well last time he sat closer to me and the the sound of his voice and like uh is he mad at me and the the and uh, yeah, three weeks ago he would kiss me in before he went to bed and like now he just rolls over and da, 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 da. and so it, it is like constantly trying to figure out if i'm safe and now I know about it, so I can kind of be like, hey, I do this exhausting thing. And sometimes I just need to be able to say, are we good? Do you want to be here? Do you like me? And, uh, and like, as time goes on, like, that same computer will um, store information. Like, oh, this is, this is what it looks like when he's tired. This is what it looks like when he's busy. So I've learned that, like, if I can be, I need a secure person. I've learned that an avoidant person will fuck me up. But if I get into a relationship with a secure person, once I, like my brain has built a database of things, I know I'm safe, then I'm like fine. Even though consciously I'm like the relationship could end, I'm going to be fine anyway. But the attachment system doesn't give a fuck about that. In the attachment system, I'm a baby who's going to starve and die if you don't come back into this bedroom right now. And so that's what it is. It's like it's deprogramming. For an avoidant, their parents didn't meet their needs and they just disconnect from their attachment system. So when when uh, that same attachment system that keeps you alive when you're a baby and you need that connection to your attachment uh, um, object to survive, that's the attachment system that you take into intimacy. So when you're avoidant and someone gets too close to you, you start to experience intimacy. Your attachment system says, no, 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 we don't need this. This is, uh, this is like, we don't need this. This is, get this the fuck out of here. This is how we get hurt, whatever. But it doesn't, that's not the way it translates in your thoughts. The way it translates in your thoughts is, God, I really thought I was into him, but I didn't realize like what he like chews weird or something. God, why, why did I think he was so hot in the beginning? Or I didn't, I don't like her. Like I thought I liked her. And then it gets cloudy for avoidance. There's two different kinds of avoidance, dismissive avoidant. They're kind of narcissistic. They stay pretty single. And, um, is it anxious avoidance? It's, um, it's not anxious avoidance. It's, uh, fearful avoidance and fearful avoidance want intimacy, but then the proximity fucks them up and they get confused. So they push you away and then once you're gone, they're like, oh, my God, I miss you. And when you're on the receiving end of an avoidant, you're like, this dude's playing games, which is like just not actually true. Very few people are just fucking with anybody. Most people are just operating from a place of trauma. Now, if you're anxious and you don't know you're anxious, you can turn a secure into an avoidant. You can 
you can activate unconsciously on a secure enough that he that he he or she becomes avoidant on you um this book will teach you like getting to know your attachment style there's quizzes you can take on the internet it's insane that everyone doesn't know their attachment style is the key to relationships um so act um a anxious preoccupied have activating strategies so like my particular activating strategy that i found is that i can have that doesn't take up any space and doesn't fuck with the other person is i keep like a camera roll of pictures of them and then i can look at pictures of them without them being there and then that like gives me the feeling of closeness and i don't like have to involve them other activation strategies involve picking fights trying to make them jealous um, taking their temperature, which is, I have to be like in a bad place, but that is one that I'll do where I'll be sending a lot of screenshots or, or shit from the internet or like trying to start conversations because I'm trying to get a gauge of like, like I don't feel safe. So this is something that I've tried to learn to like speak plain English. So from the beginning, you can't even get through one date with me without, I'm like, I have an anxious attachment style. I used to be very ashamed of my clingy, whatever. I'm not actually clingy. If I feel safe, I am pretty independent. I'm way more uh, fucked up than I seem. So I know it's attractive that I seem very independent. I am when I'm secure, but it does not take me much to to push me off my square. Once I got pushed off my square, it's going to be a minute, whatever. Here's the healthy ways I deal with it. But I also just sometimes need to say, are we okay? Do you want to be here? Like, and I need to be able to trust that you're going to be honest. Um, and like, you can do all these things with a secure, a secure and a, an avoidant are okay, but an avoidant has to be aware of what they're doing as well because an avoidant can turn a secure into an anxious because you get an avoidant and a secure together and the avoidant starts to deactivate. So avoidants have deactivating strategies to feel. So like I activate to feel connected and avoidants deactivate to, to get, it's all proximity. It's like I want you super close so I feel safe and they want you far away so they feel safe. So an avoidant, but the avoidant is, it's fucked up. Like it's hard for avoidance to stay awake in their shit because when I'm in it, I'm like, I'm panicked that you're good, that you're leaving or you don't like me, that you don't want me here. And that like is pretty easy to wake up from when I, and I am avoidant also when I'm deactivating, which is less often because I'm not attracted, I'm attracted to pretty aloof, independent people. But in the rare events that I have deactivated, I deactivated at the end of my marriage. Um, uh, you don't like the per like you're just like, your brain is just like she's not I, you know she's not pretty. I don't want to have sex with her. Like I don't know. I just like ugh, everything she does is annoying. You're like you're writing them out of the script, and there, there's not there. It's so much harder to wake up from. And then you don't really wake up from it until you've broken up or you get away from them, and then you're like. <gasps> I loved them. And then they come back, but now they're coming back anxious because you just fucking dumped them. And then now, now you're really deactivating. So it's tough to be avoidant. And you need, if you honestly want to have like intimacy in your life, you have to work your ass off to understand this attachment system, learn to experience it as something separate from you. And then, uh, and then start to like hack it from there, which is like, I got to the point where I don't shut the fuck up about this attachment system because I am actively, I am like 80% cured from this thing because I have not stopped talking about it, tweeting about it. I'm like, have embraced it as like a big piece of my, I like, and I work 
tirelessly to change it. All of my symptoms are different and I'm pretty close to being out of it. It's not a, it's not a condition that has to last for the rest of your life. It's, but it's like everything else. If you want freedom from it, you have to embrace it first. Uh, love yourself anyway and then be honest observe it pay attention to it watch it do its thing find a partner that's like willing like loves you enough to be into it and like in the past I hid that aspect of myself I made fun of women who were clingy and needy knowing damn well behind closed doors my brain from the second a relationship starts my brain doesn't fucking stop trying to figure out if I'm safe Anyway, so a lot of people have been avoidant. I think it's because we're like the proximity for all of us is like so crazy right now. And so if you find yourself um, in a new relationship, especially because that, you know, there's a difference between a shrinking jacket where the relationship just doesn't fit. Another common thing is anxious and avoidance getting together. And that's almost always not going to work. But that gives you that like sweet, toxic back and forth, push and pull, fight and fuck, uh, delicious twin flame dynamic, you know? So like, I get it. But I now, uh, at the end of this last thing was like, I cannot date anyone who's not securely attached. And I dated a couple people that I was like, are you securely attached? And then they showed some tendencies and I was like, nope, I did like, I can't, I cannot because with the most secure person under the best circumstances, as soon as we try to turn this into a relationship, we're going to have a weird few months while I, while I, the on-ramp is not easy for me. And, um, and then I just don't like, I stay awake to it. I stay conscious to it. I pay attention to it. I use the language activation, deactivation to where like it becomes this separate, this separate thing. And where it's like, I and then like not projecting. So I, even when I am projecting, I'm like, I preface everything like, okay, I am activated for sure. I'm activated because I feel it in my heart. I feel it in the body. Uh, I feel like you are tricking me and that you actually don't blah, blah, blah. I recognize that that's likely a projection. I recognize that feelings are not facts. Uh, I'm just trying to get to this. Da, 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 da. Um, but a lot of times, like most relationship conflicts and like the eventual death of relationships is just attachment stuff. It's like it, it seemed like you guys were fighting over money or sex or whatever. But at the core, it was just like attachment needs were not being met. And as an anxious, um, I have found that it's I don't want to be coddled. I don't want um, I need you to understand that I have to, like I have to figure this programming out but, um, like, I don't want you to, uh, change your love language or, um, like have to stay in a honeymoon phase with me forever in order to like appease this thing because it is a little bit insatiable. And there have been times where I'm like, oh my God, the entire relationship is over. He hates me. And then I'll look at my text and I was like, definitely just texted he loved me seven hours ago. But like it, for me, it's like in the beginning, it feels like seven hours is like that's proof that your feelings have changed in that time. And it's like, okay, well, like this isn't sustainable. And like the old model of codependency says that that's now your responsibility, that I, I feel unwanted because seven hours have gone by while you're out living your life. So uh, you have to change the way that you love to make me feel different because yeah. I don't know how my fucking attachment system works. That's great. Yeah, totally. 
I can't really touch any of that with a ten foot pole. <laughs> nailed all. Of, I don't even know what to say. I uh, haven't hacked my attachments attachment system yet. I've tried, like, just to be aware that I'm anxious, preoccupied, and when I do get activated and I get like, oh god, where are they? They don't love me anymore. Like, I realize that I'm in that space, and I've tried. Like, I'm not in a successful relationship, so don't take any of my advice. But <laughs> I've attempted to like to communicate that with my partner. Like, hey, I know this about myself. I have this attachment disorder. Um, I'm feeling disconnected from you. Is there any way that you could throw me a bone? Like, it's a small little need. I know it's complete. It doesn't make any sense. I just need you to be like, hey, I love you. You're great. That's it. Literally, that's it. And the whole system just shuts down. Yeah. And I've had, I've asked for that and been denied. And that, like, the worst thing. When you ask for, like, hey, can you give me a little morsel? It was because I was anxious, preoccupied with an anxious avoidant. And she was like, no. Go fuck yourself. Basically. Yeah, because to her, it's like you were like, "Can I wear your skin? Could, yeah, yeah. Do you mind? Can I come over and wear your skin real quick?" Or if you say that shit to a secure, they're like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." Yeah, you're great. Love you. See you. Yeah. <laughs> is that what do you is that what do you need right now? Okay. Anything else? Right. Right. Cool. You know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, a lot most secures are in relationships. They're almost never single. They're definitely not on any of the dating apps because they go just from relationship to relationship because they're like. They don't need a bunch of time. A secure person doesn't. They just get into relationships pretty easy. And then they're just kind of fine in relationships. I mean, you're secure, obviously. Um, then they're just kind of fine in relationships. And then they get out of relationships. And it just isn't a fucking big giant thing where they're insecurely attached. It's a, it's a bunch of time after to process it because they're, they just, they enmeshed and now their world's being ripped apart or they're running and hiding. Avoidance tend to like get out of relationships and then spend um, an exorbitant amount of time obsessing over their ex that they just let go. Cause like, I can only love you in the rear view mirror. I can only love you after right. you're gone, you know? So it is just something to look into. It's a, it's a great piece of insight about who we are and our programming. And it causes most conflict in relationships. And I talk about it a lot. And so I, uh, uh, did a couple readings in the last couple of days and then talked to a couple of friends who were just like, you know, if you're in a relationship and you loved this person, you were really into this person. And now suddenly you're like, I don't know, what is it? But then you can't really put your finger on it. And it's like real petty shit. Or if you're suddenly like fixated on your ex and your ex definitely isn't a good scene for you, you know, you're, you're deactivated probably. Yeah. And when you're deactivated, you like can't feel those feelings. And so, um, and then also if you are anxious <clears throat> preoccupied you know there's a way to get um to heal that and to get through that or at least find healthy coping mechanisms i don't know you know if there ever comes a point where i there is a point like in a long term like in my marriage i was like married to a secure person that like by a year into the marriage i just operated 100 percent as a secure um until the end like I didn't I didn't have to look at pictures of him when he wasn't around I could go on the road and we wouldn't talk for weeks and like no one had weird feelings it just was like we were doing our own thing and like that's like what you want is in a relationship is supposed to be this like just home base where two independent people live a relationship shouldn't be about the relationship by this you know by the time you got a year under your belt like okay well here's we have the foundation let's use it as a jumping off point 
But that's very difficult for people with attachment damage because they it just like takes forever to feel safe. But if you're like, you've established that secure. Also, I think two anxious people can get together and they can, through a lot of communication and deprogramming, they can become two secures. Two avoidance will just ghost each other. And so they don't really work too well but this is also like not for the rest of your life you know these are just this is just some wiring under the board shit this is a this is a survivor survival mechanism from childhood and if your parents left you to cry in a crib which most of our parents did there's a good chance that you have some sort of um insecure attachment and uh it's crazy when i talk i talked to one of the avoidance yesterday and what happens is the avoidance have a ton of guilt and shame where the um, anxious preoccupied feel entitled and like this is the problem with me and this attachment system is I the women I would call clingy or whatever like most people feel entitled in relationships to the attention and whatever and they're like why don't you want to hang out with me but there's just something where I'm just not capable of saying that like that's so fucking cringy to me that I just won't say it I'll just feel it and I'll like be in pain but I just don't feel entitled and to me I'm just like well I, I if I if you don't want to hang out with me and I make you hang out with me I don't know if it's just like because I'm tuned into energy or what but I like that's like awful and I just don't feel entitled to be like you have to like my Instagram post or you have to call me every day it's like you didn't want to call me like cool I'm freaking the fuck out but like I, I can't say that I don't feel entitled to that and um so there tends to be a lot it's like difficult not to project as an anxious because it does feel like someone outside of you is fucking with you or whatever but for avoidance it's all this like guilt and shame in themselves where they're like i'm not good at love i can't give people what they want like i can't make up my mind um they do they they can focus outward and like de like dismissive avoidance deactivate really early in relationships and it can be a little narcissistic and you know they're like ew well, she's gross or ooh she talks too much or ooh da, da, da. it's um anyway but there are a lot of avoidance that have like guilt and shame because they don't love right and they get into relationships and they stop having sex and they uh they stop being affectionate physically and they um start to deactivate in their head on their partner and it's like part of them knows they love this partner and they're like why don't i want to have sex with him and why don't i want to hug him and uh uh what's wrong with me why am I hurting him why am I not giving him what he you know needs like he's a great partner I'm gonna regret losing him one day but do I want him you know it's like um uh then they try to force themselves to do the things because of the guilt and shame but then forcing themselves to do it active like deactivates them harder and then they are like more repelling like energetically and if their partner is anxious the anxious person definitely picks up on that and it turns into this fucking gross thing where if you just like understood the attachment system and started to like reverse engineer it from a place of loving yourself and understanding that it is a trauma response from childhood and lots of us have it and that it, you do love this person you do care about this person but 
you need like to find healthy ways to control the proximity and understand that if you guys have like crazy sex, beautiful, intimate sex, there's a chance that you'll deactivate afterwards because that was a big piece of intimacy. If you just went on a big vacation together, you shared very close intimacy, you just had a deep conversation, chances are that could deactivate you. And if you just become like aware of it and watch it and observe it after a while, you're like, oh, that's attachment system. That's not real. I can still have this closeness. I can have this sex right now. We can do these things. But if you just are like, I'm a piece of shit who can't love um, or, you know, force yourself to have sex or force yourself to cuddle when you don't want to, like it just like perpetuates the cycle. So it like has to come from a place of like loving and honoring the fact that you just have this attachment system. So It feels like that probably takes a while too, like all these things, right? The first step is like seeing it and that disempowers it a little bit and then you actively have to work at like continue seeing it and then it becomes a little easier to control it or or, or see it objectively and then um yeah it feels like a process because that these are the things that these are the real deep programmings that are uh super ingrained and, and habitual and stuff so it, it's not an easy uh some of these other things in in life that i've experienced it's like you kind of see it once you see it, it really starts to go away. And then like one or two more times seeing it come up, it disempowers it completely, you know? Yeah. This seems like a way it's it's much more spread out and complicated through our programming. Spread out and complicated and requires so much communication. So I don't uh, I don't know how you're not just rolling your eyes every time I say anxious, preoccupied, because you've uh, I've I talk about it constantly because I'm like actively like working on it. I feel like I learn more about it every time you talk about it because it's not because it is so complex. Like I've thought I had my head around it many times and it's still more I'm like, wow, it's and all the terminology around it too it's all like a new language kind of so it's it's uh it's complex man it's fascinating you can watch it because my dad i got my dad into it because my sister's like anxious preoccupied and then i like told my dad about this book and he read this book and he he like devoured it and he was like after you read attached uh i should just try to get these people on the podcast there are certain things like magnesium powder and this fucking book like you guys can have ads because i never shut the fuck up about these products this book is a game changer and then you look around and you can tell like everyone in the world you can just tell by the way they walk and the way they interact it's like oh it's an anxious preoccupied that's a secure person that's a whatever and then it like it gives you like if we all had this language i say activated all the time where it's like i would have three years ago maybe called this a bad mood or something and like i realize when i'm activated my tone gets fucked up because i'm scared and I don't trust you in the moment that I'm see- like whoever I'm activated at. I am like I'm now in this defensive thing that I know is a child whose needs aren't being met. I know that I'm like in this like I'm in danger or I like I like fully activated. That's not a great version of me. That is a like I'm leaving. You know, it's the only thing I know how to do in that moment to feel safe is to, like, OK, I'm not going to ever talk to you again or whatever, you know. And um, I'm usually pretty good at staying awake leading up to that. Uh, but distance is difficult. So we live across the country for each other. So I think I, I, th- I only think it was once, but I could be wrong. Could be twice. But um, in past relationships, like when I was young and I didn't know what any of this was, I was a fucking nightmare. I was a nightmare to be in a relationship with because it was like... Uh, I thought that they weren't loving me right. And then, um, you know, I thought that they were fucking with me. And so then if I think that you're fucking with me, it's not going to go well for you. Like, it, I'm, 
don't fuck with me. And so uh, I think I ruined relationships. I think they were all avoidance anyway, but I think I ruined relationships with people because I perceived them to be purposefully moving the line to fuck with me. And like, as I become more awake in this, I'm just like, oh, okay, this is, this is a, and it's a physical thing to where now I'm like, oh, this is a cortisol dump happening and I just have to ride this out. Anyway, I don't know if it got fucking back down the thing, but it is, uh, yeah, I recommend that everyone read that book, find it, take the quiz online, find out what your attachment system is. And, uh, you know, it's different. It's different in different relationships also. Like, um, you're very affected by the attachment system of your other partner. So, um, if you have a, like a, ideally everybody gets to balance it secure, like, and a secure partner who's like secure and patient can bring pretty much any other partner to a secure place if there's like open communication about it and how weird to be in a relationship and not want to have like it's it's strange to me that this is a thing that is understood and everyone doesn't know it people don't find this out till they go to marriage counseling it's like this should be first date conversation you should know like hey here's this and this is going to affect our relationship let's get in front of it or like let's be honest also you can like when you first meet someone listen to their past relationship experiences they'll tell you exactly what they are they just have a thing that's like on uh tinder or something it's like here's my name and here's my attachment style yeah i did have like i almost um almost all my tinder bios were jokes about my attachment system or one was uh hey I'm just looking for casual sex. And by casual sex, I mean, I want to have casual sex with you and then traumatically reenact my abandonment wound in your reflection for maybe a year. And I don't know, anal or no. You said you put that on your Tinder profile. (laughs) That was my Tinder bio. And it's been stolen multiple times and used by other people. That's amazing. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, that anal joke, which was definitely a joke. So was the casual sex. It's very false advertising on my part. Um, that anal joke really balanced the, uh, scales there. Is it crazy? People are like, I, I, like how big of an abandonment? (laughs) (laughs) I think I could deal with that. Amazing. (laughs) Those are actually, when that was my bio, I only, I like put up the Tinder just to, just to try that as a funny experiment. Best conversations I ever had on Tinder when, when that was my bio. That's great. Um, they're just trying to get my butt. Anyway, if you want a reading, can you imagine? Uh, especially if you want to talk about attachment system stuff. Like when people call and they're like, I just need to talk about relationship stuff. That is my fucking jam. Uh, Jessery.com. <sighs> what else? Patreon. Jessery. Uh, or Patreon.com forward slash Jessa Reed. How long have I been talking to a microphone? I feel insane right now. Four hours. Tight, tight, tight. Um, anyway, you know where the fucking rest of the shit, whatever. I'll be back tomorrow with a podcast probably. Mark, where can people find you? Do you care? Uh, Fat Horse Ranch on Instagram. How about you, Nate? Go find yourself. I'll be there. <laughs> God, that was much oh, better. Answer so much than... better. I can't believe I got him to answer. <laughs> I was finally just like, why? Wow, okay, yeah, let's say this stupid shit. Um, we will see you guys soon. <laughs>